Hello, podcast listeners. You've reached This Marketing Life, and I'm your host, Fiona McEachran. This Marketing Life is the podcast that discusses the real-world challenges and opportunities facing today's marketing manager. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes and visit thismarketinglife.com to subscribe to future episodes and cool marketing management goodies. And if you have any questions about marketing management, please contact me. This is the 2020 crisis series of This Marketing Life. And today I am chatting with Natalie Talevsky, the Marketing Operations Manager at SiteMinder in Sydney. Natalie is a marketing strategist with a love for technology. Over the last 10 years in marketing, Natalie has seen big changes in how both organizations and customers use technology to automate, engage, and connect and how it's turned marketing from a cost center to a revenue generator. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you. How's it going? Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. Yeah, are you, uh, are you working from home at the moment? I am. been working from home for the last, I think it's almost three months now. Probably would have been the start of March. Wow, three months. Yeah. It's it's like a long time, but it also feels like a short time. Yeah, I was thinking that the other day um, because I think a few people that I know started working from home, I think, a bit after me. And so they were saying, oh, it's been so long. And I thought about it. I thought, wow, it's actually almost been three months. Wow. I mean, what's it been like? Was it hard to get used to or did it just come natural for you? For me, it was hard because I can work from home maybe for a day, maybe two, um, but then I just get easily distracted because it's too quiet. So I like the office because there's background noise. You can look out the window, there's people walking around, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, my brain tends to work better if there's things happening around me. Um, Uh, So, so yeah. You're a social person. Yeah, I'm a background noise person. So, yeah, it took some time getting used to. I think it probably took me about two or three weeks to get used to the quiet, um, but it's not so bad. I've got Spotify on in the background, music going, sometimes a TV, so it's all good. You've just got to create all that background noise yourself. That's it. That's exactly what you have to do. No, I'm. it's funny. Sometimes when I'm working, I like the background noise. It, it Like it fuels me. Mm. But sometimes when I'm doing like when I'm analyzing data or building a report, I like it quiet. So I, that's why I like that one, two days from home where yeah. I can where I can smash the data. And then I like those other days when I'm looking for inspiration and, and ideas and stuff. And it's just being around people just helps with that. Yeah, it's funny because I've spoken to lots of people about this in the past, whether they work better when it's quiet or whether they work better when there's lots of noise. And it's so different with everyone. Like you can't even get a consensus. Some people are like, no, I can concentrate when it's really quiet. Others like me are like, no, I need background noise. Otherwise I can't concentrate. I get easily distracted. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting. It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, especially when you start looking at office planning and is an open office, does everyone get their own office, what do you do, is hot desking a thing, like you just can't plan it for everyone, you absolutely yeah, can't. I saw on TV the other night they're talking about how the structure of offices are going to change and how they may change forever. 
Yeah, that's true. And especially now, because I think the world has proven that we're all adults and we can work from home. Um, <laughs> and so that's completely going to change because there were companies that were giving a lot of flexibility. There were other companies that weren't giving that flexibility. But now, because it's such a global use case that, hey, it's proven you can work from home and be productive, it'll be interesting how that changes once everyone starts heading back into the office. Do all companies globally now offer this as an option for people? It's interesting seeing the leading companies, you know, the Googles, the Twitters, the Slacks, mm. all kind of saying, okay, we're going to be working from home for the next, all of us, for the three, six months. And mm. even some are saying, I don't think we may go back to the office, I mean, permanently. Yeah, I think Twitter announced that just recently, that they've said, yeah, you're all working from home indefinitely. So yeah, yeah. Joining the ranks of companies like uh, Zapier mm. and a few of these other ones, um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see this rise of these companies, obviously led by tech because yeah. they, they always seem to be on the front foot. Um, and luckily, I mean, you're working in the tech space at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you're in a very interesting space uh, because, you, I mean, SiteMinder, they're, I mean, they're a SaaS platform that offers solutions for hotels. Now, I was, I was reading about, you know, hotels possibly becoming you know, a lot uh, looking into streams of other streams of revenue and looking into how they can become more efficient and how they can continue in this time of social distancing that's going to exist. And I guess where SiteMinder fits in is that's like a kind of tool that helps with that. Um, yeah, it definitely is. So, you know, SiteMinder as a tool definitely helps um, hotels figure all that stuff out really. Um you know, um, like how their revenues are going, how their occupancy rates are going. Um, it helps them manage all of that back-end stuff so that they can focus on, you know, dealing with their customers, you know, dealing with the maintenance of their properties. Um, yes. So, yeah, definitely very uniquely positioned in that we can continue to help all of our customers um, during this time. Yeah. No, it looks like as you know restrictions are looking to start lifting it looks like tourism is going to come back probably with a vengeance because i think a lot of people are busting for a holiday yeah uh, but it, <laughs> i mean i know i am but it's going to be at least you know i think local tourism they reckon is going to be expecting a boom so it'll be it's all those little hotels then mm. you know it'll be those little hotels in those little touristic local areas that are going to need help to to manage you know what's going to happen yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said, I think, yeah, all companies are going to need that kind of help as they start to ramp back up, um, as they start to bring their staff back on, as, you know, they start to open up to customers again, you know, whether that's a hotel, a restaurant, a cafe, um, yes. a library even, you know, because libraries, places of worship, they've all been closed as well. You know, they all need to figure out how it's going to work with um people coming back and restrictions being lifted as well. Yeah, we're writing the playbook as we go. We are, yeah. That's what's making it so interesting, I think. And from, from a marketing point of view, obviously you're the marketing operations manager. Mm -hmm. I mean, has that, 
uh, impacted, you know, the marketing strategy from the start of the year until, you know, when this pandemic kicked in? I mean, how, has that strategy changed? I think as far as operations goes, um, no, I would say, because, you know, marketing operations is all about making sure you're using your marketing systems and all your other systems at your disposal um, to the best of their ability. Um, and you're getting the most out of those platforms that you have. So, you know, the strategy that we had for all of our platforms and all of our systems at the start of the year, that hasn't changed. That's still going the way it's going. Um, those plans are still in place. So, yeah, from that perspective, um, yeah, it definitely hasn't. Hasn't changed things. No, because, um, yeah, like I said, you still need all of these systems to track everything that's going and now more than ever, right, because, you yes. know, people um, have more time to do some research. Maybe they're doing research on um you know, whether it's like tools or ways of doing business or ways of connecting or different technology that they can use now that they've got a bit more time on their hands, um, you know, they're doing more of that admin -y type research um, yes. and all of your marketing systems are set up to track all of that. So, um, you know. Yeah, it, it's a, the thing is the, the processes and systems oh. and, and how you connect up the technology and map things yeah. out. I mean, that does fundamentally stay the same. But does, I think... Yeah. I think you're right. This is, and I have heard this from multiple marketers, that this is the time to do research. This is mm. the time to say, okay, we can optimize these things in a better way now. There's this tool or there's that tool, or maybe we can connect this up. I think, yeah, uh, yeah I think there's a lot of research going on. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even time to play around with stuff. So maybe you had an idea for a bit of technology or a, a different way of tracking something um, or a different way of, you know, setting up your attribution that you just couldn't scope out or build a test for, you know, at the start of the year just because campaigns were running, things were busy. Um, yes. But now you have that time. So, you know, because you're at home, you're a bit more productive, you know, you're not just having people dropping by your desk to ask questions and chat. Um, so that time now is spent on, like you said, on research. So, oh, maybe True. I can set up a test for this. Maybe I can scope out that project now. Um, and I think that's not even just a marketing thing, like I said. I think that's all areas of business, you know. You've probably yes. even got, like, finance teams doing the same thing where it's like, oh, let's have a look at our, you know, invoicing software. Is that something we can change? Um, you know, sales team looking at sales optimization stuff, you know, is that something that we can change or that's something that we can streamline? Um, even different processes within a business you would be looking at to see if you can streamline that or if there's a way to automate those processes as well just to make life easier for everyone, particularly with everyone being remote where you can't just, you know, easily tap your neighbour on the shoulder and ask them a question. Um, I think, yeah, the different tools that are coming out to help with that, you know, your Slacks, your Zooms, um, you know, even Microsoft tools. Teams, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, they're definitely seeing a big boom in people looking into them, using them, seeing how they work, um, yeah. 
No, I've noticed that with the events industry changing, you know, a lot of businesses, whether B2B, a lot of B2B and B2C, you know, used events for brand awareness, for lead generation, and all those events shut down overnight. So you've got event marketers and event managers scrambling to look at tools and technologies that they can keep going, that they can keep hosting some kind of online event. Yeah, exactly. And this, um, the first I saw of it was way back when um, with Salesforce and their world um, tour they were doing earlier back in March. Um, And that was at the very start of all of this happening. um, And they very quickly pivoted that from an in-person all-day event to an online event, um, which was pretty well run. So you could go in, you could, you know, they had the different channels for the different sessions. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting to see how that happened. And now, like you say, all the other events that were going to happen this year um, are doing the same thing. So it's good that they're still running, um, but it's also really good to see just how, creative people are getting in oh we can still run these events Um, let's just find a different way of doing it and a different way of connecting people yes no I I think until you know with these mega conferences that they have it's going to be difficult even if they come back as a physical event it's Mm. going to be difficult because they've wanted to always just cram in as many people because it looks so good in the photos and it looks it's so great for engagement to have so many people at these large events but now if we're going to be social distancing, you know, until a vaccine is available, Mm. if those events come back, they're going to look very, very interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, a question of, well, do you limit the number of people that can come or do you find bigger venues so that you can fit more people that are at a, you know, a socially distant um, capacity? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's what it's going to look like. Mm. Or do they remain online for the foreseeable future? I think that's mm. possible too. I think that's possible too. Mm. Um, I just wanted to ask, so obviously getting onto marketing operations, I mean, it is such, it's, it's become a growing type of role mm. and a pivotal role because businesses are seeing the value in getting that underlying you know, technology and operations all organized because then you can build on top of that and you can make things more um, effective and you can more productive. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think are the main differences, I mean, that you've noticed from a marketing operations management point of view? I mean, what is a typical day like for marketing ops? Um, it's different every day and that's why I like it. So, you know, one day I might be working on, um, a system optimization in our marketing automation platform. Um, the next day I might be doing an analysis of data, whether that's campaign data or just our customer prospect data to try and find trends. Um, you know, the next day might be um, putting together campaigns and nurture programs. It's always, always different. Um, but I think no two days the same. No, it's never. And that's why I got into marketing in the first place, right? Because no two days are ever the same and it's always interesting. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of marketing operations, it's a great role because you're almost like an umbrella for all of marketing. So you kind of see everything. It's not just systems and technology, it's also campaigning, it's also marketing strategy, it's also your data and your analytics, it's also, um, you know, 
budgets and dealing with vendors, it's a very wide-ranging role um, and it's almost like a marketing all-rounder role that's slightly turning into a specialist role nowadays. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because I, like previously, um, my first marketing operations role was at my previous um, company and that was the first time I'd ever heard of marketing operations because before that I was working um, as like a, a product marketing product manager or a marketing campaign specialist. But those roles were um, almost marketing operations in their way because you were dealing with, you know, putting together your marketing strategy, figuring out who your target market was, um, you know, working with the systems and putting all that together. Whereas now marketing operations has almost become its own little specialist type role in that you have the creativity and the strategic thinking of a marketer, which is the stuff that, you know, we learn from day dot at uni. But then you also have the same analytical, um, technical type thinking of either an analyst or a data scientist or a programmer even. So, and it's hard to find people with both those skill sets rolled into one. It's a very hard role to fill because you either get people who are very marketing and not very technical analytical or people who are very technical and analytical but not very marketing. So it's yes. a very, um, I think in the States it's uh, because the role's been around for longer, it's easier to find people. But, um, yeah, I think in Australia it's a relatively new role over the next, um, over the last few years. I say that I've been operations manager now for almost six years. Um but, yeah, it's still relatively new just because it's hard to find that combination um, in the one person to fit that role. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, for, it's kind of like understanding the forest but also understanding the trees. Yeah. So it's being able to take that step back and look at everything and how it's connected holistically and where campaigns fit and where technology fits. But then also when you want to see how something is performing, to zoom in mm. and and be able to analyse that data or, or look at that data and yeah no I think I think that's 100% correct and I I do see it I mean in a lot of marketers I've spoken to it, very few can do both of those things yeah because we're not trained that way um I remember oh, like true. back when I was at uni which was what 2001 2002 I started uni so what, 18 years wow. ago now, um, it, marketing and my degree is in marketing, but it was very like, this is what customers are like. This is, you know, the psychology of it. This is how you get people to do what you want them to do, that sort of thing. Um, fast yes. forward to just a few years ago, my cousin did the same marketing degree at the same uni and he literally learned the same curriculum. So nothing has no. changed. Um, even though marketing itself has changed, marketing has completely moved on from what I learned at uni. Like it's, yes, there are some similarities. Yes, you still need to understand your customer. You still need to understand how to talk to them. But you also need to understand technology. You also need to understand data. You also need to understand analytics. Um, and that's just not being taught. These are now skills that marketers are learning on the job once they get into work. Um, and I think that's what's kind of letting us down a little bit as an industry. So 
Um, you know, if the unis aren't teaching you that in your degree, well, then how else do you learn that stuff? Is it different online courses? Um, is it as part of your electives? Is it a whole new way of actually training marketers that we need to think of um, so that they're ready for this world that we're coming into? Because, uh, yeah, no, I don't think yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, even, I mean, I, I studied the Chartered Institute of Marketing mm. and even even the research techniques that I learned, you know, back when and the even the communications, I guess communication strategy hasn't changed mm. that much, but the execution and the speed oh, has, has changed rapidly. Mm. And even when I learned marketing planning, you know, marketing planning was this massive, big task and you mapped out 12 months and and two years and three years and now you know we're looking at three months mm. when we're looking at our marketing plans I mean it is definitely not what what I mean what I was talking yeah it's not it's so so different even from my first job you know I started as a just a campaign specialist um within a product marketing team and even then it was starting to change. Like I remember getting my first analytics um, BI tool that the company brought in and like email marketing was just really starting to become a thing back then as well. So, but nowadays, um, you know, you're running online campaigns, you know, you might come up with an idea now, five minutes later, you've got some copy and some imagery and then 10 minutes later, you've launched it. Um, and then within an hour, you've already got some sort of results to figure out how you should tweak it, how you should optimize it. Um, so, yeah, like you say, the execution is just very, very different nowadays. Um, and, yeah, that's I think that's like the biggest skill that people need to learn or that marketers need to know these days is not just the creative aspect of it um, and the planning aspect of it, but what do you do with all this massive amount of data that's coming your way. So how do you actually analyse what you're seeing in, you know, Google Analytics or in your automation platform or in your web data or in your campaign data? What does it mean? How do you link it to, um, you know, revenue that's being generated? How do you show your um, the benefit you're having to your company to say, hey, this, this is the revenue that we're generating and this is how we generated it and this is what we're seeing in our data and in our markets so that we can find a niche or we can pivot or we can run some other campaign that's going to be more successful. That, that is so spot on. Uh, I mean, we all need to kind of be data mm. analysts now. There was a huge trend a couple of years ago about big yeah. data and what big data would mean and everybody was like, oh, we need to get more data and more data. Yeah. And so all these companies brought in all these tools and got all this data mm -hmm. and tracked everything. And then I don't, I think they've reached a point now where they're not entirely sure what to do yeah. with it because it was just the wrong approach. And I think now having, being able to analyse that data and make sense of it and turn it into something practical that's going to impact mm -hmm. the business and going to, like you said, you know, going from the idea to running a campaign to analysing the results to plan, forward planning the yeah. next campaign, I mean, that's that can be ha happen in a day or two. Yeah, and you know what? Like I remember someone once saying that all data is big data and it's true. Um but I think everyone needs to realise they already have enough data. And it's true. Like I hear the so same much. thing. Oh, we need more data. We need more data. And it's like, no, you have enough data. You just don't like the answer that data is giving you. 
And that's why you're asking for more that, data because true. you want a different answer. But you know what? The data is a data. It doesn't lie. This is what it says. Um, and the question now is, all right, how do we respond to that? So if this is what we're seeing, how do we respond? What do we do? Um, rather than, yes. you know, give me some other card. Because I remember my stats lecturer back at uni was like, I can make this data say whatever you want it to say, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing. Um, and that and that's true. true, right? And as marketers, that's what we need to push back on um, because you get it from everyone. You don't just get, you know, you get it from sales teams, you get it from the C-suite, you get it from, you know, customer teams, everyone saying, oh, this isn't, you know, what we wanted to do and I don't agree with what's being said here. It's like, well, it is what's being said, but how do, what do we do about it now? How do we respond to it? What kind of um, strategy or campaign or whatever can we run to make this a more positive response than what we're seeing now? Yes. I mean, even, even if you just look at something as simple as Google mm. Analytics, I mean, you can get lost oh, yeah. in there. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've had quite a few marketing coordinators work with me and, you know, they get into Google Analytics and they mm. get overwhelmed. And I always just say to them, look, just look for the one or two things that you're really trying to learn that can move yeah. the needle. And seriously, don't worry about everything mm. else because you can get buried in there. Yeah, you need to look for the so what. Like the part of the data exactly. that's like, okay, this is the bit I actually need to care about and this is why I need to care about it because there is a lot of noise in the data you're seeing and it's very easy to track something daily and say, oh, it's gone up today, oh, it's gone down today, oh, it's gone up. Yeah, that happens. Like that's just normal. But you need to find an ongoing trend for something um, and something that's yes. important. No I, yeah. no, I agree. And, I, you know, I heard once... Uh, I don't know where I read it. I wish I knew, but it said uh, the most impactful data that can help marketers is either immediate short-term mm. data or long-term data, but be careful of medium-term data because it doesn't really help. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's just trying not to get lost so much in the detail, and I think that comes from the lack of training for marketers to be analysts. I think if you're trained yes. as an analyst, you understand that concept and you understand what it is you need to look for, you understand um, what a trend looks like, you understand what's important. But I think if you're not trained in that analytical mindset, it's very, very difficult to figure that out. Um, and, yeah, True. I think that's something that the marketing industry as a whole probably needs to get better at rather than just telling people yes oh here's a bunch of data here's a bunch of systems that can collect all this data and now you go figure it out it's like well no you need to teach people how to be analysts like that's a skill you can learn um and that's a skill that we need to improve on and develop yeah mm. double down on so yeah i mean so looking at the skills, I guess, if someone is interested in marketing ops or wants to develop those skills, I guess it's about being understanding strategy and being strategic. It's about understanding data analysis. I mean, what are the other key skills? I know you mentioned being creative, but what else do you think are the key skills that would make a great marketing ops manager? Um, honestly, I think the key skills are the same as what would make a great marketing manager in general um it's the things you said you know 
being able to be analytical and being able to look at data and understand what's important, what's not important, um, being able to be strategic and come up with, um, you know, different campaigns or, or different ways of um, doing business or engaging with your prospects and your customers. Um, you also need to understand the technology that you're working with, um, whether that's, you know, an automation platform or even just the analytical tools or the, you know, social networks that you use, um, you know, being able to understand how they work, how they connect with each other um, and also being able to almost picture a data flow in your head. So understanding, all right, this is where, um, you know, my prospect, for example, will hit the website. Okay, so then what is the flow of that information? Um, you know, is it tracked by cookies? Does it get picked up by an automation platform? Is it being picked up by a social network? Does it get pushed into my CRM? Um, you, I think you need to have a bit of a technological bend in being able to visualise that flow of data because once you can visualise that, then you can understand all right, this is what I need to analyse it, this is what I need to build it into my campaigns, this is what I need to build it into my strategy. Um, and then, yeah, just being creative I think is important, not just from a marketing perspective but even from an analytics perspective and a technology perspective because if you're oh, yeah. creative then you can start to see different ways of doing things um, and it's creativity I think is your best problem-solving skill because it means you're starting to see different solutions to doing things. You're not just, you know, focused on, oh, here's my automation platform and I need to be able to track this campaign using this platform. Okay, that's cool, but maybe there's other ways you can do it that are easier, um, that are a lot simpler, um, or maybe True. there's a different way of building it that simplifies that process. And I think that's where creativity comes in, in that problem-solving um, area. No, I agree. I mean, how does one how does one develop creativity? I mean, is it it's a skill, I guess, but how I wonder how you can develop It's definitely it. a skill. I think everything in life is a skill um, that you can learn and creativity is just one of those skills that you can learn. Um, and there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. Um, even if you just Google online like how to boost my creativity, you'll find pages and pages of links. Um, if, you know, if it's something like you set aside an hour a day to find a different way of doing something. So maybe, you know, you pick a nurture program, for example, and for an hour of your week, you're going to say, all right, I'm going to think of all the different ways that I can build this nurture program. And you just jot them all down. There's no right or wrong answer um, just to see how many you can get out. Or maybe um, you pick a piece of data, whether it's campaign data, and you're like, I'm just going to look at all the different ways that I can manipulate this data and I can get it to say different things. Um, all of that is helping your brain be creative because it's forcing you to think differently to what you would normally think because um, you're trying to come up with a whole bunch of different answers and solutions. Um, and especially if you start thinking there's no right or wrong answer, it's literally just how many different ways can I do something um, but that's building your creativity and that's helping you um, improve that skill. That is fantastic advice. I wish I'd gotten that advice when I was studying marketing. That is brilliant. Um, 
I, I completely agree. I think that is the mm. best way to start continually being teaching yourself how to be creative. Yeah, and I have um, every Friday is my Google Friday that I call it um, where I spend okay. like an hour or two every Friday literally just doing anything, like whether it's watching TED Talks, reading articles, playing with the system, playing with data, um, you know, looking at different campaigns that people have done um, or like anything. It's just a way for me to set time aside to build that skill. So build my creativity, build my analytical skills, um, get out of the industry, you know, out of the marketing industry even just to see how other people are doing things, um, what other people are saying about different topics. Um, I think it's a good way to almost like expand your horizons in a way so you're not just constantly stuck in yes. what you're doing every single day you're giving yourself a chance and you're giving your brain a chance to think of something different and do something different um and then that all helps because it then becomes muscle memory almost so then when you have to do something um maybe a bit more complex or maybe a bit more involved you start to think about it a bit easier because it's something that you're constantly practicing and you're constantly training no, I, I love that. I think that's that's great advice. I think slotting, slotting in and committing mm. that time to allow yourself to, to look at new ideas. And I mean, I definitely, I, I definitely try and do research every week, but I don't think I've set a time, but I think, I think mm. blocking that time out of your calendar so you don't you know, yeah. get pinged or, or, or people don't you know, message you, I think, and just blocking that time out so that you focus on just expanding your ideas and stuff like that yeah and it's a good thing to do I think um if it if you do block out that time it almost then becomes habit and so once it's habit you just easily do it every single week um yeah it makes it easier to do yeah excellent um I just want to talk to you about marketing Mm -hmm. technology because obviously this is where your yeah. You're very interested and you've been, you know, uh, researching and learning mm-hmm. about marketing technology and it's changing still yeah. rapidly. And given this time of this crisis and pandemic, it's probably going to change again because of all the mm-hmm. innovation that's happening. I mean, is it is it making managing marketing easier? And and what's what's your favourite that you've seen? Uh, I think it's definitely making managing marketing easier um, just because it's automating so much. Um, You can, a lot of the processes and things that we used to do in the past that were very manual, um, you can now just set up and let it run in the background. And you can even automate alerts to yourself if something goes wrong. So you don't even need to check in on it, you know, regularly to see that it's running the way it should be running. You can even automate your analysis and all that sort of stuff I think that's made it so much easier um, which means you then have more time to do more strategic work um, based on everything that you're seeing or more analytical work based on everything that you're seeing Um, but my favorite stuff at the moment is definitely I think all of the AI stuff that's coming out so the way which isn't new um, but I just love seeing how that progresses and how it takes 
Um, all the different marketing which, ones. Which AI so are you talking about? Whether that's AI that, um, you know, is as simple as serving up recommendations, so similar to what like a Netflix or um, an Amazon will do if you've watched a bunch of stuff and now it's saying, hey, you might like this these things as well, um, through to even CRM AI where it knows if an opportunity is about to be closed, lost, and so it will flag an alert with content that you can send to that person um, that can change that to then have you close that opportunity as one. Um, all of that sort of stuff I find really fascinating. Um, but it's so data hungry, that thing, um, just because it needs to uh, learn all the different trends, right? Um, of course. So, but, yeah. I, um, do you, what do you think of like chatbots? In that they can automate um, very simple inquiries that come through. And um, even with all the chat stuff, that I've worked with in the past, like 80% of your inquiries are going to be very, very similar that you can very much automate via a chatbot, whether it's someone asking for, um, you know, what's your support phone number or what's the price for this or can I have a trial, can I have a demo, you know, those sorts of things are the bulk of the requests that come through. Um, and nowadays you can even automate them to um, if someone does want to speak to a person, it can be routed to someone in, say, your support team or your customer team or a sales team, um, and then they can pick it up from there once the chatbot has got to, you know, whatever end you've specifically given it. Um, so I think they're great for automating very, very simple um, inquiries that come through, which, to be honest, is the bulk of the inquiries that come through for a lot of businesses anyway. Um, and then, yeah, just automate them to hit a actual human um, once it gets too complicated or if the person asks to speak to an actual human, yeah. To speak to someone. No, I remember seeing a YouTube video of a guy who mm. would chat with chatbots to try and figure out if it was a real person or not. And he used to ask questions and try and trip them up to figure out if they were real. Mm. And it's funny that the time that we're getting into is is reaching that point where some of this AI and some of these chatbots are so smart that sometimes mm. you are not sure if you're talking with an algorithm. Yeah, or, and or that's what makes them so great. Or if you're talking with an actual at human. the end, it's about the customer experience, right? So if it answers the customer's question and it answers it in a way yes. that they're happy with then it doesn't matter if it's a bot or a human, to be honest. Um, where bots kind of fall over is where there hasn't been that planning behind them. So they haven't been trained to respond in the correct way. They haven't been trained correct. on the correct questions that are coming in. So even when you start with a bot, the first thing you need to do is go, well, what are the questions that we're getting? And I think people get tripped up in the edge cases and they kind of spend all their time in the edge case going, oh, well, what happens if they ask this? Um, but really, like I said, 80% of your questions are probably the same. So just build it for the, that 80%. And the edge case, just add a, a path to say, I want to talk to a human. And then the human can deal with the edge case. But, and that happens in technology all the time. That's not just marketing technology. That's even like SaaS technology um, where people get stuck on edge cases and they're like, oh, we need to factor in this edge case. You really, really don't. 
So the bulk of what you're building is probably going to be the same constantly. So just build for that. And then you can build in a catch-all for your edge case. And if your edge case becomes normal, well, then you can factor that into your normal um, build and your normal sends and all that sort of stuff anyway. so No, that sounds like great advice. I would, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on about those edge cases. I think it's a matter of, I, I guess it's, it comes down to, like you said, customer experience and, and mapping that inquiry journey or mapping, you know, looking at where in the marketing journey uh, that that buyer is mm. wanting to talk to somebody and, and what is the normal flow look like? Like you said, look at the normal flow. What is the normal inquiry process? Like you said, you know, 80% are very similar. What is that 80%? Yeah, exactly. And, maybe don't and that's get just down with that 20%. programming advice in general, I think, regardless of, you know, not just marketers. Exactly, exactly. It's that, what's that That's just saying? life advice. Like if a butterfly flaps its wings in Peru, it's going to, you know, will it cause a tornado in China or something like that? And I think that's what people get bogged down into. It's like it doesn't matter. It's probably <laughs> never going to happen. And if it does happen, we have a catch-all for it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think, you know, that does come uh, mm. when, when it comes to marketing, you know, we do have to check ourselves and sometimes just make sure yeah. we live in that 80% and don't fall down. I call it falling down a rabbit hole when, when you can follow something and all of a sudden you're just like, does this really matter? Does this really shift the needle? Yeah, is this exactly. Really make a big I think impact? the best way if to not, think about it is step away. what will 99% of my customers think about this? And if 99% of your customers are going to be happy with it, well, then that's fine because you're never going to get 100% of customers or prospects happy with whatever yep. you're doing. Like, that's never going to happen. Um, that doesn't even happen in life in general. You're never going to get 100% of people happy with what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, if the bulk of your customers are going to be happy with that experience and it's going to nope. be a positive experience for them, well, then that's fine. So I think when it comes to thinking about now mm. and looking into the future, like I said, we're writing the playbook as we go. I mean, what what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, what trends are you seeing with with marketing with technology with you know the tourism industry i mean what um, trends do I you think, think are going to happen and come out of business this business in general um, there's going to be a lot of i think different ways of collaborating um, because we've seen that um, we've just had to adapt to it right because you can't have face to face collaboration you can't have like water cooler collaboration anymore um, so i think all of that is definitely going to um, change or even just be streamlined. Um, I know when we first went um, to work from home, and this happened with a lot of people that I spoke to, everything almost became a video call because people were just so used to face-to-face -face collaboration. And then in a couple of weeks that died down very quickly where people found out that things like, you know, messaging, um, or, you know, the slacks of the world, like that was an easier way to communicate and then you could save the video call for something very important. Um, so I think that sort of stuff um, will definitely change. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of just processes in general are very much becoming streamlined. Um, so whether that's they're being automated using the different technologies that we have um, or whether just some of the unnecessarily handling of things might just be factored out of processes now um, just because people physically can't 
do that stuff together in the same room. So you're, you know, trying to make up for people being very remote. Um, And I also think we might see an increase in remote teams and remote working just because the world has proven, hey, you're able to do it um, and it's not that bad and it still works and people are still productive. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, a lot of companies embrace that or just make that part of their norm to offer that as an option to say, well, you can come into the office if you want to, but, hey, you can also work from home or you can work from anywhere in the world. Um, It doesn't matter. Yeah, I've seen yeah. quite a few companies saying you can work from any of our global offices. You know, this is a this is a new thing that's coming out. And I also saw the other day, uh, this guy said, I think we've had uh, 10 mm. years of innovation in business in two months. Yeah, and I'm not and surprised. We're going to spend the next 12 months trying to play catch up. Um, it's forced them to think outside of what they would normally do in a day, um, which is a good thing, I think. Um, it's good that people are actually becoming a bit more creative in just how they operate in how a business is run. Um, like I said, it's not just a marketing thing. It's just a business in general thing. Um, and I think, I think that's a, a positive. It's definitely going to be positive if you're streamlining processes, if you're increasing collaboration, if you're coming up with different ways that people can work um, and still be productive and still feel like they're part of a team and still be engaged um, all of that stuff's positive. Yes, and we're yeah, going to be learning exactly. the value and of checking things in like on people as well. I found <laughs> is the other big thing that's happened. Um, just because everyone's at home and yes. yeah, slowed down, maybe feeling a little bit lonely, so they're reaching out to more slowed people, down. asking you know how they are, and you know having probably more deep and meaningful conversations than just like a superficial quick catch-up, oh, we'll get together for a coffee, oh, yeah, let's do that, Um, whereas now they've got the time to chat. So, yeah, I hope that actually continues um, once everything's lifted and things start going a little bit back to normal Um, because that's the other other good thing that's come out of it, I think, is people are having deeper relationships um, with everyone. It's their family, their friends, their work colleagues, um, yeah, it's definitely getting better. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, I've met so many of my neighbours. It's crazy. <laughs> no, I think, you know, despite all the all the bad things that have happened in this uh, health and economic yeah, crisis, absolutely. I think there, is there some are good definitely things too and we just need to focus um, on that. That I've come out of it. So, you know, just think of people are connecting a lot better, businesses are operating a lot better, Um, you know, things are being streamlined. We've seen different ways that we can use technology to connect with each other, to connect with, um, you know, customers, to connect with our employees. Um, Yeah, it's all positive. Yeah, the future's bright. Wow, thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the podcast and talking today. I know that there has been some amazing advice and insight into marketing operations. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Technology and the SaaS space. So it's, yeah, thank you so much. If someone wants to uh, reach they out can to definitely you and ask you find any questions, me on um, LinkedIn, where's the best place to do uh, that? Natalie Tulevsky. And yeah, sh- shoot me a message. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks again. And, uh, you know, Take care and <laughs> I, I hope, hope so too. you'll get your, your background noise in real Thanks, life very babe. soon. 
So thanks for listening. If you like the show, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. Also, please visit thismarketinglife.com to view the show notes and subscribe to future episodes. I would love your feedback. If you have any burning questions on marketing management, you can ask on the website, through Twitter, on the Facebook page, or just email me at hi at thismarketinglife.com. I'm Fiona McEachran. Until next time, keep marketing.